hold a value of opening the Bible together, so it's my joy to be able to do that for a few moments. For those who are wondering where Phil and Sharon are, they're actually at another church in the locality, and uh, so Phil's ministering there, and I'm sure he will be blessed, and the church that he's ministering in will be blessed too. We're continuing our series, which is on the back of our vision Goals, our statement for the year, we believe that the Lord spoke to us about being a church that stands out and, and shines. Hence, a lot of the, um, the, the banner there and, and, and the slide on the screen. And there's also some vision cards as well up in the bar area. If you've not got a vision bag and you'd like one, then please ask. And they'll make sure that you can have that, which has a, a few goodies in there. And part of that is over the next uh, few weeks, we're talking into different elements of how we can actually stand out and how we can shine. And last week, Phil brought a great message with regards to being a stranger. I'd encourage you to listen to it on, on the podcast. Uh, you can just go to the website and it's all there. And there are just three particular points that he laid out, which I'm not going to mention tonight. But they were really helpful in helping us to, and shaping us how to be strangers in this world. I want to be very clear tonight, so don't misunderstand me. What we're not talking about is being strange. Look at the person next to you and see if you sat next to somebody who's strange. A little bit dodgy, a little bit ropey. We're not talking about strange, and we're not talking about being weird. What we are talking about is living as a stranger in this world. That is what we're addressing. And so my journey tonight with you is that we'll walk through a number of, of, of important principles that will help us and shape us how to be a stranger in this world. If you've got a Bible, I wonder if you just turn with me because we're going to refer to this over the next few weeks. But 1 Peter in chapter 1 and verse 1, Peter writes that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's writing to God's elect, strangers. Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. We see there that Peter is writing to the church and he's calling them, he's labeling them strangers in this world. So you must understand something just as we start, just as we begin, that as we read the Bible, we often think the Bible is written, you know, 2,000 years ago, which it was as in the New Testament and, of course, the Old Testament, thousands of years before that. But as we look at the Bible, we think the issues of that day were different to the issues of this day. I want to say the issues were still the same because the human heart was the same there as it is today. Selfishness, greed, lust, all kinds of darkness that can surround our lives was then and still is today. And that was being infiltrated into the church. People had had an experience of the living Christ, and I'm going to come on to that in a moment. But then they were just blending in instead of standing out. And Peter needed to address the Christians who were scattered in the areas and reminding them that as they were exiled and scattered, they need to be strangers that lived out their Christian life in the world. The same challenge to each and every one of us here is for us to be strangers in this ever dark world. And there's just a couple of things that I want to just share with us tonight that are really headlines. The first thing I want to say is this. We become strangers because of everything 
Jesus has done for me. Some of you are here tonight and you're religious. You have an understanding of God. You may have read the Bible numerous times. And that's all admirable. And we'd encourage you to do that. You may say, well, I attend church. I've attended church since being a young child. I've been christened. I've been baptized. Wonderful. But the challenge to each and every one of us is this. Have we, ever, have we had an experience, a living, real relationship, an experience of the living Christ? Because it's not just about praying and reading your Bible or going to church. It's about really knowing Jesus. You see, as we know Jesus, we become a stranger because strangers realize that Jesus has done everything for them and that demands a response from us. Let me show you how this works, how our life really works out. Because Andy alluded to it. The reality is God created man in his image and he was well pleased with what he saw. He really was. But we notice that as we go to Genesis in chapter 3, that actually what happened is man did something very, very bad and very, very wrong. It lived out of its own selfish desires and lost because it ate of something that it shouldn't have done. And sin entered the world. And immediately there was a divide. There was a division that took place. There was a breaking of relationships. If any of you have ever been in relationship and then you had that broken, you know the pain of what that feels like. Does anybody know here what I'm talking about? Where there's, you deeply love somebody or something and then it's been broken. A divide has come and it brings such pain to our hearts. Multiply that by a million million and you've probably got a glimpse of how God felt to mankind. Because God so loved mankind. And yet man decided to go its own way. And there was a divide that was brought. And of course we tried to do it through the sacrifice of lambs and bulls and goats. But it wasn't enough. God knew that he needed to send his one and only best, greatest, most magnificent, magnificent sacrifice that could ever rectify the issues in the world. And he sent Jesus. He had to send Jesus because of the sin that was so growing in the world today. In the, in the world as it was then. And growing in the world today. You see, here, I've just put a list of some of the uh, sins. And by the way, somebody said to me, I hope you haven't, they're not your list. Well, they're not all my list, I want to tell you. But there's a few on there where I've lived out my life. Now, you may, some of you may say, well, I've lived a good life. I've, I've really been good. And again, that's admirable. But the Bible's very, very clear. That if we say we're without sin, we deceive ourselves. Because we've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of God's best and God's requirements. Every single one of us. And here's a list of some of the sins. Here's a list of some of the behaviors that may have been around your life. Outside of God. And you see what it does. It makes further. There's a further division that was taking place between man and God. And God's heart was was he wanted to just love mankind. He wanted to wrap his loving arms around it. Many people think that God wanted to blast the world. God didn't come to blast the world. He came to save the world. God didn't come to condemn the world. He came to love the world. That's the gospel message. Guys, we're always preaching hell and fire and all the rest of it. There is a hell. 
There is a hell. But I want to say, we're motivated by a gospel of grace and a gospel of love. Because that's the heart of God. God loves the world. And the only way he could sort out and deal with once and for all the sins of the world was to send his one and only son, Jesus, into the womb. He did that through the form of a cross, bridging the gap between God and man. Once and for all, dealing with the sins of the world. And when he was hung upon the cross and shouted, it is finished, he was declaring not just to the world, but to the principalities and powers that every sin, past, present, future, had been dealt with through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is the message of the gospel if you've never understood it. Whatever you've ever done, whatever I have ever done wrong, can never separate us from the love of Christ. He says that nothing can separate you from God's love. You may determine to reject God's love, love, but God's love continues to pursue you. It continues to follow you all the days of your life. Whether you choose to accept it or not, friend, it's completely your choice. But I want to declare to you tonight that God's love pursues you. And for those who accept this Jesus, this is the gospel message, so simple. And it's as simple as this. Jesus, I have sinned. And I have messed up. And I know that I need a savior. You are that savior. And I simply bring all my sins. I simply offer my life to you. And I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that you would cleanse me. I ask that you would make me whole, and I ask that you would give me a brand new life. And people who pray those kinds of prayers, something supernatural takes place. Something so supernatural takes place. It's a step of faith. As we step into it, God meets us. And then this is what happens, because the Bible declares this, that anyone Is in Christ. Therefore, is if anyone, that means everyone. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say new creation. Nudge the neighbor next to you, make sure they're not dropping off in this nice heat. Say new creation. Listen to me. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. I tell you what, I want to skip and jump about that because what that means is that God has given me a brand new start. You must be kidding. This seems too good to be true, Andy. It could seem that way. That God came into the world with all my wretchedness and all my disobedience and all my horrible stuff that was around my life and he offers me a brand new life and he says I'll give you a new start I'll make you a new creation I'll take away your old and I'll bring you into a new life I want to tell you that's great news some people say why do you get so pumped up because of that some person asked me what gets me out of bed that that message it's the greatest message ever it's better than Arsenal beating Aston Villa (laughs) 5-0 
Oh, were you waiting for match of the day? Well, there you are, you see. It's better than whoever got knocked out of Celebrity Big Brother. What a load of rubbish. If you're watching that, fill your mind with something better, please. That is the word of the Lord. It's, it's, it's the greatest news ever. It's, it's more amazing. Honestly, I mean this. I'm not just having it up. I could offer you, say, Jared, you've won 30 million on the lottery. It wouldn't compare to that offer. No, you don't want that, okay? That is the greatest offer and message that we have to declare to the world and that we have to show the world. We have to show the world. So we are strangers, Kev, because what Christ has done in us Christ has done it all. He has done it all, my friend. And at the end, Josh is going to give you an opportunity to respond to this great invitation to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. So we become strangers because of everything Jesus has done. Now, you need to watch out, guys, because I'm taking my jacket off. And when I take my jacket off, I'm really getting pumped up. Okay. So we're really going, thank you, thank you. But the second thing I want to say to you is this. We become strangers because of everything that I now do for him. Remember the first point? We become strangers because of everything Jesus has done for me. What he accomplished at Calvary is amazing. But now we are strangers because of everything I now do for him. What I'm talking about here is that Jesus here is your savior, but actually now I do for him, he's now my Lord. You see, it's no good Jesus just being your savior. He needs to be your Lord. Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 3, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2, says this, Jesus whom you crucified, who is both your savior and your Lord. It's there on purpose. And I, you've heard me say this, those who've been around Arena Church for some while. I meet many Christians who definitely Jesus is their Savior, but he's most definitely not their Lord. Because to live on the law under the Lordship of Christ is something very, very different. To live under the Lordship of Christ means you're a stranger. It means you don't fiddle the taxes. It means you don't look at the things you shouldn't be looking at. It means you shouldn't be getting involved in gossip. It means you shouldn't be having a temper and getting angry. It means you shouldn't be having violent thoughts. When we live under his lordship, something begins to happen. And I want to just take you to Galatians in chapter 5. If we can find it on the screen, that would be helpful, Lucy. Galatians chapter 5, because I just want to share towards the end just a few thoughts with you from Galatians, and it would be useful to be able to have them on the screen. So we'll read at verse 1. Recognizing this is now, I'm a stranger because everything I now do for him. It reads in verse 1. He's still with me tonight. Are you enjoying yourself tonight? It says in verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That is worthy of another read. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Jesus did not come to set your half free. He came to set you completely free. Can I hear an amen? Amen. <laughs> and then Paul goes on to say to the church here in Galatia, stand firm then and do not let yourselves again be burdened by a yoke of slavery. You see, this is the problem. We enter into Christ and we receive the free gift of Jesus and we know that he set us free, but then we allow ourselves to be burdened again by the sins of this world. We allow ourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And Paul is saying to the church, listen to me guys, as he's writing this, please, Christ has set you free. Don't enter again into the world that is going to bind you. He's made you free, so do not be enslaved again. You may say, well, Christian, how is this how does this happen? Well, let's jump to verse 7. Because what happens here is there are little foxes. There are people around our worlds. There are things that we get involved in that can clutter our lives as Christian people. And they cut in on us. Verse 7. It says here, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? I'll never forget a time when I was asked to go... Um, to an urgent pastoral visit. And the pastoral visit had a context with this couple with regards to one of their family members and there was crisis in the home. And they called me very late one evening and said, we need to see you very, very quickly. I said, I'll come. Now you can leave it till the morning, but please can you come early? So I got up very early and I remember praying and asking the Lord to give me something, but I had no sense of of anything really, but I went in faith, jumped in the car, and as I was driving there, the Lord gave me this verse. It was so powerful to me. And this was the word of the Lord, because I really didn't know what I was walking into. But as I shared this word, this verse, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? It was the word of the Lord. And it may be the word of the Lord for some people here tonight because you were running a good race, but actually you've, had, you've allowed things to cut in on you. He then goes on to say in verse 9, I, I could linger there, but I need to move because of where I want to get to and just how I want to close it. Verse 9, he then talks about a little bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough. So you've been, something's cutting on you, and how has that happened? By just the little things of life. The little things that begin to stick to you. Some of you love cats. God bless you. If you love cats, God bless you. If that's your thing. Do you like cats? Do you? I thought you did when you looked down there. It's all right. Don't worry. I'll walk away from here now if you like them. Because you want to start throwing things at me. I mean, I can't be doing with them. That's just me. But one thing I know about cats is that if you allow them to sit with you and you've got something on, what will happen is that things will begin to what? Their hairs will begin to what? Stick to you. A little bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough. You say, no, I can handle that person who's gossiping because I'm helping them. Really? Just be careful. It's just a thought, just to those who are part of arena. Just be careful. Because it only needs a little bit of yeast that can spoil the whole batch of dough. 
That's why we're on it. You may say, well, I'm all right with, you know, looking at that film that, well, it's, yeah, it's got a little bit of nudity in, but it's okay. Really? Because I know as a full-blooded male, my, my wife's here, she, she knows that. Actually, I can't watch those kinds of things. Hello? And as full-blooded adults here, no kids here, we can't watch those things and be okay. Because a little bit of yeast spoils the whole batch of dough. I don't want my dough to be ruined. Well, I've got a bit of an attitude with my boss, but I'm allowed to be because he's a bit of a pig. And he's not very nice to me, and he's not very nice to anybody. And that's that kind of poor attitude, poor attitude, I want to say if you allow that to live in you, it will spoil the whole batch of dough. I've just labeled those three because those three things are where we have the opportunity to stand out and shine and be a stranger. Where people, I know this man's had to walk away from things in the context business world where there's opportunities and he's had to walk away from them and say, I'm, I'm really sorry, that's okay if you want to go there. So he's not being pompous or super spiritual. If you want to live like that, that's fine. But as for me, I'm not. And they've thought, what a weirdo. No, he's just living as a stranger. As a stranger. And so it talks about this little bit of yeast working through the whole batch of dough. But I want to just show you two pivotal verses. See, you're with me. There was freedom. But then Paul says, listen to me. You, if you're not careful, you're going to get become burdened again. And it comes through the race that you was running and something's cutting on you. And it comes through the little things of life. But then in verse 13, this is such powerful stuff. He announces in Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Just leave that there for a moment, Lucy. I want to read it from the message. He says there, just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do. This is where people, Paul addresses it in Romans about grace. Well, I'm living under grace, so I'm forgiven. So all I need to do, I can watch that thing, I can say what I want, because I'll just go to my prayer closet and I can say, Jesus, please forgive me. I want to tell you, that wears very, very thin. That argument wears very, very thin. Strangers do not use their freedom to indulge the flesh. What that means is we don't want to be going near that stuff. We want to be living as lights that shine in the darkness. We're not talking about being super spiritual. We're not talking about being weird. We're not talking about getting in a soapbox in your office. If there's something going off in the office and start, you know, you're spouting off, you need to stop this and you need to stop that. We're not talking about, we're just talking about living differently. And not walking back to indulge the flesh. And then saying, well, actually, I'm, I'm, uh, Jesus, I'm forgiven. Oh, I can step back into that world again and do what I want. Oh, Jesus, I'm really sorry. Oh, I can just enjoy. Oh, Jesus. And I see a lot of people, listen to me, doing that kind of lifestyle. And I'm sorry if you came to Arena because you thought, that guy on the front is normally quite funny. Well, hopefully I am. But actually, this is a message that needs to be declared. Because we're called to stand out and shine and live differently. 
Or otherwise, people look at us and you think, you know better than me, so why would I follow you? You say exactly what everybody else says, so why should I be bothered with you? Jesus called it. You know the thing about Jesus is that they were amazed, not just by what he did, but by how he lived his life and by what he said. It was so attractive. And if church, we can get that kind of church thing going on, where actually our message is attractive, but our lifestyle is attractive, and our words marry up our lifestyle, then I'll tell you what, we won't have enough room in this building to hold, they'll all want it. They'll all want it. I wonder if you want it tonight. Are you fed up with how you're living? Are you fed up with the life that you're living? Do you want something different? Do you really want something different? Well, the offer here is from Jesus. The offer is to live as a stranger. To live as a stranger. Pivotal verse. That we're not called to keep indulging ourselves. But then I said there were two pivotal verses because as I close, verse 16. You say, well, Christian, how is this possible? You've set the bar so high, how can I do it? Because she said, strangers, we become strangers because of everything I now do for him. It's not possible for me to do it on my own. You're right. And this is why these two verses, verse 13 and verse 16, are so pivotal. So let's go to verse 16 of Galatians 5. Paul then writes. So you've been had all this stuff going on in your, in your world, and then he goes, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will, what's that little word there? I want everybody to say, and you will, and you will, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature of the flesh. Caroline. So I say walk by this. This is my wife, by the way. So I haven't just, I haven't just taken a random woman. You are my, yeah, you are. You didn't know we were championship ballroom dancers, did you? We're brilliant at the salsa. You, you, no. It, but as you... Do a bit of ballroom dancing. There's, I didn't say this morning. There has to be a leader. Because otherwise, if you're both trying to lead, you're going to be all over the place. I want to say, this is how we are with God. I'm the Holy Spirit at this moment. And Caroline's seeking to live this stuff out. She immediately says, you take the lead. That's all. It's as simple as that. In my day, you take the lead. Wherever you need to, I need to go, I'll go with you. And as I begin to lead her, We walk in step. She's walking in step with me. I spin around. (laughs) Tried, yeah. All right, all right. Spin around. There we go. There we go. That's better, you see. And we walk in step with the Spirit. You may say that's, that's pathetic. No, it's not. It's as simple as that. Inviting him every single moment into our day to say, God, This life is yours. I want to please you. I want to walk in step with you. And if I walk in step with you, I won't gratify the desires of the sinful flesh. You're going to keep me. Do you think the Holy Spirit's going to allow you to go to some place where you shouldn't be going? Ever been there where you've been in a meeting and you've you've engaged and then you've thought, and there's been a check. Paul's nodding. I've been there many times. I'm thinking, 
The Holy Spirit is not now pleased with where this is going. And by the way, I'm right in the middle of it. So it wasn't I was forced there. I was gratifying the desires of the flesh. But he's not happy. That's the Holy Spirit tugging. I want you out of there. This is not going to end well. I want you out of there. Please come out of there. You know, oftentimes I think we grieve the Holy Spirit. I think he can see where we're going to go and he's trying to tug on us. I don't want you going there. Please just come out of there. So I will live as strangers. So I will live as strangers. I want to finish by this. Too many times I think we make excuses. Before I go where I want to go, let me just give you this quote. This is worthy of writing down. This is for Christians and for seekers alike. Listen to me. Are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? Are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? People live for their jobs, live for their homes, live for their holidays. They live. I'm not talking about enjoying those things. You need to enjoy those things. But live, consumed by those things. I think Christ died for something more than that. And oftentimes, I think we make excuses. And excuses run really, really tired in my house when my kids are playing up. And I won't embarrass the older kids, but certainly Isaac and Lilia. (laughs) The kids. Anybody ever have kids like that? They're full of, I mean, full of excuses. Lilia, she's a sweetie. She is just so much better. But Isaac, he's a monkey. Okay. No, he is. Please don't. He just is full of excuses. And we say to them, you've got to take responsibility. I said this morning, I could easily say, and I've got some of my family here, so the last thing I want to do is dishonor my family. But, you know, my granddad, who I never met, I will do one day. Before he became, to, before he became a Christian, And I must stress this. He had a radical conversion. That's all I ever heard about. He had a radical conversion. He was a big guy and and had a bad temper. And that manifested in a lot of ways that weren't always good. Very physical, violent at times. And the reality is, as a young lad... I've said this here before. I don't want to go there. But it could have easily run through me. So I was the kid on the supermarket floor at 18 months, two years, smacking my head on the floor because I didn't get my own way. What was that? Temper. Stamping. By the way, some of you are 50 and you're still doing it. You need to grow up. Doing this. Stamping. Temper. Because I didn't get my own way. And I could easily say, well, actually... It ran through my granddad, and by the way, at the age of 40, he died from a brain hemorrhage, 
But he had a radical conversion. My goodness, they were said, just a radical conversion. I'm really looking forward to meeting him when my opportunity comes. It'll be wonderful. And we have that joy as Christians to know that we're going to meet those who knew Jesus in this life. We're going to see them again. And I could easily say, well, my granddad were like that. My mum wasn't bad-tempered, but she could get a little bit edgy at times. Oh, I'll leave it at that, okay? <laughs> and I could easily say, Paul, couldn't you? You could easily say, well, it runs through the family. It's just how it is. I want to say, that's excuses. I need to take responsibility. And I have done. Because through the help, somebody asked me, is that something you need to work through? No, I don't. Because actually through the work of Caroline and through the work of the Holy Spirit, God has done a deep work in my heart. And I'm very grateful for what he is doing and what he continues to do in me. What are your excuses that you are presently making? Because if they're there, I want to encourage you with two words. Take responsibility. You may say that's not very pastoral. No, it's not, but it's best you're going to get tonight. Take responsibility. (coughs) I don't want to walk in the ways of the flesh. I want to walk by the way of the Spirit. And the Spirit in my life will do whatever He needs to do in me. So I will stand out and shine. And I will be a stranger in this world. One final quote. And Josh, I want you to then come and just lead us. And Andy, if you'll come and jump on the keyboard, that would be great. If you want to do that now. Listen to me. Some of you need to respond to Jesus tonight. You've been religious, but you need to respond. Others of you need to determine in your heart, you're going to live as a stranger. Listen to this. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Some of you might not get another chance to respond.